when I think of the cultural values of Gachja and the many Pueblo communities in New Mexico and many other southwestern indigenous communities will share that very similar saying that running is ceremony, running is prayer in action. Christian Gehring is one of the best ultra trail runners in America. He's won tons of long distance races, he's set course records, and he's become sponsored by brands like Janji and Solomon. But Christian doesn't just run to win races. Growing up as a member of the Pueblo San Felipe tribe, Christian learned that running can be a form of prayer. It's about therapy, it's about self-improvement, it's about honoring his community and his heritage. When Christian is running on a trail, he's celebrating the paths his ancestors traveled and his connections to the earth. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Besides being an accomplished ultra runner, Christian is also a multimedia artist. He's currently a fellow with the Santa Fe Art Institute. Christian claims that running inspires him to create. A big part of Christian's expression is rooted in his indigenous values. Christian Gehring, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. I'm excited to meet you and have you on. I'm so excited to meet you and uh, get a chance to hold space with you and talk about some really cool things. You have so much going on. Running, art, podcasting, food, culture. We have a lot to talk about. Okay, so tell me really quickly where you are and where you're from. Yeah, let me get into the complexity of it because uh, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, the, I think the more complexity we have as we are as people, the more beautiful we see our lives can be. So I'm currently living here in Tezuque, New Mexico, which is just north of Santa Fe. And I wouldn't want to get that confused with the Pueblo of Tezuque. But where I'm living is actually on the border in between Tezuque, Pueblo and Santa Fe. So it's a little, I guess you would say a little settlement here that historically has been Pueblo Tezuque's homelands. So this is you know, Tewa lands here in New Mexico. But I grew up and I call home Gachja, which is the Pueblo San Felipe, if it's not in the indigenous language. I grew up there. I find many of my ties to my family, to my community, to that place. But I also have ties down in Central America because of my father, where he has originated from being the people people and that being specifically in San Vicente, El Salvador. What is something pretty unique to your people that like maybe you could share? Because I'm just fascinated by cultures that contrast with mine. It just adds to the contrast and richness of life. So what are some that maybe you can share with us? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you saying contrast because as a, as a creative, yeah. It's not so much that there's different colors, right? There, There is different colors, but once you put it amongst a piece or amongst a visual representation or physical manifestation of a create, creative project, you realize they actually accompany each other and they, they give more depth. So us as people here being representing different cultures and different ideologies, we're actually enriching each other and teaching each other. But yeah, I would say as it relates to Gachja and me being a Gachja meh, which is from from that place as i think it relates to where i'm living at now or where i'm at in my life at this point is that when i think about my athletic pursuits and my artistic pursuits 
those are cultural values and that have been rooted in tradition and cultural practice for a very long time. So as much as like when we think of contemporary times of this being my profession or my way of making a living, the practices and the things that I'm doing right now have been shared amongst time and place here. So I'm not necessarily doing anything new. As it relates to running, so much of that is rooted in intention and prayer and allowing that as a way for us to practice the betterment of ourselves and a, and a place to elevate our well-being. So as much as I look at running as a sport and having grown up in a in a very sports-centered family where we love watching uh, boxing, we love watching soccer, we love playing different types of sports in my family, there's also that recognition that that passion and that pursuit of being better at something is also in relation to bettering oneself. So growing up, there was not much, you know, discussion about how how well you did, you know, in terms of place or or getting accolades. It was in relation to how it was making you a better person. And I believe when I think of the cultural values of Gachja and many of uh, the many Pueblo communities in New Mexico and, and many other, you know, Southwestern indigenous communities will share that, you know, very similar saying that running is, is ceremony, running is, is, is prayer in action. So when you're actually able to live into that step and also live in with, within that mantra, within that prayer, you're actually doing a service not only to yourself, but to the land and to the people that you build community with, whether that be your family, your friends, or your loved ones. Or complete strangers, you know. So much of what we hear about when, with running, as I relate it to my culture, people say it's therapeutic. It helps with processing, psychological, and mental cognizance. I would say that has been known within our communities in Gachja and the many pueblos here in New Mexico for a very long time. Because it's it's rooted in our creation story. And it's also rooted in the fact that it would help us move forward. So... That's where, you know, some that I could definitely share with you. So you just really blew my mind on my paradigm with running. <laughs> I just haven't heard someone talk about running like that. I think it's really cool. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, and I would say because I'm I'm in community and I'm influenced by family, friends and loved ones, this is just a collection of conversations of ideas that have been shared with me and also I share with others as we are in space together. So as much as this is, this has come from me in this moment, it also has been influenced by so many people. Let's talk about how you got into running, because I know you were also an Olympic development player, soccer player in Nevada. Somehow you find running. You happen to be pretty good. So tell us how you got into it. I would say, yeah, growing up within my household with my, with my family, uh, you know, the chance for me to express myself was always encouraged. It just happened to come in the form of being very active. So as as a young person having so much energy, my parents were like, how can Christian channel this energy? And the common saying was go outside, you know, go outside and play. And that's where I think uh, much of that transformed me, going outside, playing to where, you know, there's no expectations. It's just I get the chance to go outside and be a young person and explore and be creative with my imagination and my friends. So I would say, you know, as I recollect back to those moments, 
there was a lot of running involved, <laughs> running around the neighborhood, running around the house, running around the backyard. Yet at the same time, I would say, you know, I had, I'm grateful for my parents being encouraging to have some form of discipline. And that came through soccer. So I, I started, I was coached by my dad when I started, when I was five years old, up until about high school. I think soccer coaches in general, I hear from this from a lot of soccer players is that you have to have a strong base and that base is just having endurance. So I would say when you look at a soccer player and a, a, a collection of so- a soccer team, a lot of them probably could run marathons just like that without having to even train for a marathon or train for a long distance race. So just as you might see that reflective in other teams, my dad knew that early on. So beginning of practice, middle of practice, end of practice, we were always running. But as I developed into, you know, my teen years and as I got older, I started to realize I I had a knack for it. And a pivotal point was my first ever race was actually a marathon. That is mind blowing. Yeah. I was about about 14. And you went Um, and ran a marathon. Yeah. With probably about less than like three months of training. And I wouldn't say that was even consistent training throughout the year. It was more like- How? Because uh, my brother, he went off to boot camp, and when he was coming back, a way for us to the the men of the house to to build some bonds, we were gonna run the Las Vegas Marathon. My brother could show off his fitness. My dad could get in shape. And what I had in my mind was, I'm gonna beat them because, well, I'm 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 better. Yeah, I'm the youngest. I'm I'm nimble. But sure enough, about halfway through the the marathon, uh, I just broke down. I had. <laughs> runner's knee i got tight in my neck i was having some breathing issues just a whole assortment of running poor training related issues uh but to this day both my my brother and my dad are are two of the people that have beaten me that i have not been able to beat since because they don't want to run against me anymore so uh because it's a lot different now (laughs) so but that was my first running i would say running event and running you know practice where i started to like oh like I'd train maybe a total of three months and I was able to finish in about four hours and 45 minutes. So uh, from there, it's just been kind of history and here I am now. (laughs) Christian learned early on that he had a knack for running, but he had a lot of other passions he was also interested in pursuing. In fact, even after that marathon he ran with his dad and his brother, Christian was still focused on soccer. He was even on the Las Vegas Olympic development team. Then after high school, Christian went to art school. A few months in though, he found himself a little off course and he ended up dropping out. In college, you took a little detour, but running got you back to who you are. It's pretty common for kids in college to like start going down a different path and then have to course correct. Yeah, I would say some people I've met within the ultra marathon trail running world have had similar plights as, as I have. After that time, after dropping out of art school, I would say my community and my family definitely supported me in, in this decision to run more. As I got, was getting kicked out of the dorms at IAI for substance abuse, I returned back to the Pueblo, the Pueblo of San Felipe, to live with my grandparents. And it was a beautiful moment, you know. I would say as much as it was heartbreaking to feel like, ah, like I dropped out and I'm not gonna, I'm kind of like in between limbo. What am I gonna do? I'm just gonna work a little bit. I'm gonna go back to school. I got back to being with the land. And I would say that's where my community and my family really held me. So a lot of people saw that like when Christian 
has a network, a support system that is encouraging and is in, and, and supportive, that is where anyone could do a lot of things. And I was working in the field with my grandfather because we grow green chili, peas, corn in our village. And then on the weekends, I'd be up in the mountains with my friends backpacking. So, I mean, I just had so much time where I was just being outside. I remember this race, it's called the Akama Seed Run, happened Memorial Day. I didn't really have much of a training program or a training plan that whole spring, but I just kept running every day and being active every day to where that race, I, I won outright like by like 20 minutes from the next competitor. So, oh my um, gosh, that's amazing. It was, it was a 10-mile race, and I, you know, the last time I ran that far was back when I was 14. So really was astounded that like I had discipline and whatever I was doing was was working. So by the end of summer, I was deciding like, I need to get back to doing something. I don't want to just work. I want to like, you know, kind of go for higher education and see what else is out there. At the time I heard that Fort Lewis College was a tribal serving school, which meant that you can get tuition waived for being Native American. So I'd never heard about Durango, Colorado. I'd never really even been to Colorado before then. So I went on a whim, signed up online. I remember I signed, I submitted my application to be accepted uh, in the school on Tuesday and was formally accepted on a Thursday. Then by that Friday, you know, I think like a month before school started, I called the cross country coach and said, you know, I'm a dedicated, hardworking person. I would love to just walk onto your team as long as I can participate in any way. And he said, pay $250 for a camp fee and you got a spot on our team. And I said, great, let's do it. So it was a quick turnover. And I remember a lot of my family and my community were just so excited for me. By the end of Christian's freshman year of college, He went from being a walk-on runner to the number one runner for the program. For each of the next three years, he took Fort Lewis College to the Division II Cross-Country National Championships. During his time in school, Christian also got really into food, but he approached it from a different angle. If you're a runner, you know that food and sustenance while running is key. It also just tastes amazing after running because you just get really hungry. But running snacks? They usually aren't that healthy, and they're definitely not locally grown. Maybe you could just talk just briefly about your connection to food, because I think it's so fascinating, especially healthy food and, you know, your connection to land and running. Talk to me about food and farming. So I'd say, yeah, again, work in the field within the grandfather during my, you know, out of high school years was impactful or important. I went to school at Fort Lewis for environmental studies where I was learning more about a lot of uh, social issues around protecting environments and uh, sustainability. During that time when I was at school, I was fascinated by this woman. Her name is Roxanne Swenzel. She's from Capo Wingue, which is a, a Tewa village, also known as the Pueblo of Santa Clara. To, to preface, she's an acclaimed artist. That's she's Her work's in the Smithsonian in D.C. She's one of the most like accomplished native artists in the United States anyway. At the same time, I realized she was doing this work on like food and seed saving through her Flowering Tree Permaculture Institute. And she produced this documentary saying, uh, talking about how she was experiencing health issues as she got older in age. 
but that she was finding that was rooted in what she was eating. She comes to find out that the majority of her foods were not from this place. We as Pueblo people are land-based people. She took it upon herself with the help of her son and her family to figure out what was all pre-contact food, meaning anything that was brought over from the Spanish was going to be taken away. When she did that project, she saw her health improve phenomenally to where a lot of things were on high blood pressure, around uh, cholesterol, just plummeted and there was non-existence. And it just was not even around after she did this for about six months. I was fascinated because I was going to school for the environmental studies and I was like a runner. I was also putting on a production called the Pueblo Feast Day. We decided to do a feast day run, a 5K run, free event, open to everyone in the community in Durango in the Southwest to where we invited people to run around the campus and to set the day with intention and prayer. I took it a step further because I realized after the first event that a lot of the foods I was supplying people were bananas, Gatorade, any type of finish line food. After that documentary came out, I was just like, you know what, let's flip it and let's make everything pre-contact diet. So I made, we ended up making atole, which is a blue corn mush drink, uh, cota, which Wait, is Atole is tea. like blue corn mush with cinnamon usually, yeah? Or how do you make it? It can okay. be. You could normally people put it with salt. They put it. I mean, I've seen an assortment of additions: okay. peanut butter, almond butter. I mean, you can super pack it. Um, atole, gota, which is Indian tea. We made blue corn tamales, blue corn sweet tamales, and then we just made these things uh, called Pueblo Power Balls, which uh, I'm still working on potentially <laughs> as like a business idea. But uh, it would be it's a combination of currants, pumpkin seeds and amaranth and you compile all together and this is all through the help of Roxanne because she's my mentor and I want to make sure that she gets credit but as she'll say these things have been taught to us by our communities so we're just helping bring it to life in the present day but these have been things we've been eating for a while Dude, you have something so that this... could put Cliff Bar out of business I really like this I know Pueblo Power I know. I... don't steal yeah, this Pueblo idea po- if you're listening yes it's still in the works uh, patent pending but uh yeah and then we just did that and that was what started that track to then by the time i graduated college a year after i graduated i ended up working on her permaculture farm and being able to work alongside her these ideas of discussion that we've talked about all today i was able to discuss with her and her family to where again nothing that i'm doing really is ever my original idea but that is always built within community so i want to make sure that that's clear because i've only have the opportunity to learn from all these other people. And that's where, as a runner, you'll find within my story, it's more running is in connection to my relationship with land. So I am that seed when I think about planting. I am that that mountain. And when I can emanate that type of energy and that intention, there's so much beauty that can be made and that can be had. When we come back, Christian talks about how he ties together art, culture, and running. He also shares how he embodies and carries his values into his everyday life.
In the same pioneering spirit of our podcast, Teva is all about bringing wild ideas to life. An innovator in the sport sandal category, Teva has launched a brand new slip-on that delivers the same foot-hugging comfort as the original icon. Enter the Re-Ember, a next-generation camp shoe. This quilted slip-on offers all-terrain versatility with a durable rubber sole and water-resistant finish. But the best part? The Re-Ember is reimagined with recycled materials, including a 100% recycled adventure-ready ripstop upper inspired by classic outdoor gear. So whether you're running around town, kicking back at the campground, or curled up on the couch, this cozy companion ensures toasty heat for tired feet. Go ahead, slip on and bliss out. Discover Teva's Re-Ember collection this fall with select colors available at your local REI and at REI.com. Since college, Christian has been able to pursue both his athletic and artistic career, and his art is often influenced by his running. In fact, he's using his artistic background to design a clothing line for his sponsor, Janji. The gear Christian designs features patterns that are inspired by movement, terrain, and tradition. He has a new project on the horizon that will also combine art, running, and history. So this project that you're working on, you're running trails that were traditionally used as Pueblo trade routes. Can you tell me more? I I would say once the pandemic happened, when I was out running and being amongst these places here in in New Mexico, kind of gave me the chance to to think a little more deeply in, in where I'm running. And when I choose to run in a place, when I tell people, oh, I'm running over in this trail system, why is it called that? You know, why are we calling it Dale Ball? the Windsor Trail, why is it, you know, some Spanish name. And this really started when I would have my more my daily training runs in this trail system called the Dale Ball Trail System. And I was so fascinated because, you know, there have been many communities that have come before this gentleman that have called this place, this land, different names beyond Dale Ball, you know. Who is Dale Ball? I don't know. And I'm not saying I don't care to find out, but I do know that there's a lot more rich history that I can probably share with people that is more of a representation of the people that make up this community. There's going to be a lot of different trade routes. The one I referred to, the Windsor Trail. Oh, got it. That's part of the Pueblo trade is, routes. Okay. Is, is, one of, is, is a trade route that Pueblos would take Pueblo people would take, but also other tribes would take into this region. Ah, okay. So that's that's one. And as as a person of color, as an indigenous person, I find it important because when I'm out there, a lot of times I feel very isolated because I'm normally the only person of color. And it only reaffirms it's a white space because there's a trail system called Dale Ball. I get it, you know, conservation is a as an American ideology, but Let's be real, like a lot of these systems, roads and trails and places that we choose to live here now have been established for a very long time to where people have come to say, well, now this is mine. And when you start to do that, you can exclude people that have been here well long before. So as a person of color and as a indigenous person, I find it important that I dig up that history. And this is something if 
if you don't know much about Pueblo people or Pueblo um, Pueblo culture on some anthropological website about Pueblo people, they'll say the, they're sedentary agri agrarian society. And I would say to some extent, that's accurate. But at the same time, because of our cultural connection and our practices, we've not only just been sedentary. And these sites like Mesa Verde, like Chaco Canyon, like Aztec Ruins, and the many other places that we have remnants of our past show that we've migrated. So we are mobile. We are, our communities are in motion and always evolving. So I would like to revisit to that to be able to bring up a lot of things around migration and how people see migration because of the complexity of my identity, as I shared with you earlier, I also have connection down down south, my relatives to the south in El Salvador and in many other uh, Central and South American communities. We share more in common with those communities than people might tend to think. So when you think about that, that sh is showing that running or walking, hiking or just moving was happening quite readily throughout the southwest here, all the way down to the to the Yucatan and to Central and South America. So why I'm bringing it up is because when we think about migration in the present day context, current El Salvadorians, Guatemalans, Hondurans that are being held up at the border and being put in cages, uh, while at the same time, I, th I think about the idea around trail running. Because when you think about these long distance events and these runners like myself and many other greater runners, you know, more accomplished runners, you'll find that there's a certain prestige that comes with it. They're saying, wow, they ran 100 miles, they trained, and they did this awesome feat. Yet, when you think about it, it's conditioned. You know, you have your gear, you have support, you have aid, you have just in case you get hurt, medical and things of that nature to where, you know, your level of risk is still pretty high and dangerous. But you also have a supportive network that people say you doing that is a meaning. And I'm not ever trying to say that people that choose to do these runs or do these things is a bad thing. But when we look at it in the context, when there's a Guatemalan or El Salvadoran woman coming up from Central or South America, who's literally probably walked majority of the way to our border, you know, imagine that being her finish line. She starts from her house, wherever she's from in a different country, to then the finish line being she wants to seek safety in a, in a place that she's going to have more opportunity and only to be met with the finish line being, well, now you need to get in that cage. That is a societal issue, I feel. When I think about that dynamic as we relate human feats in ways of hierarchy because, well, this is seen as a sport. This is seen as someone trying to take our freedom away. That's a weird, that's a weird thing happening in society. But it's happening at this moment in time. So as the person that I am and represent the identities that I do and the cultures that I do, it's only it's only been nagging at me. It's not stepping away from my competitive athletic pursuits, but I'm moving in more of a way of like, how can I be able to, to put this out? Because mm. at this moment in time, I'm 30. I've been competing and doing these things that I'm, I'm proud of. But there's some redundancy happening, you know, as a, one of the only native people at a competitive level in these elite competitions, I it, it nags at me because 
if we're not having these conversations, then there's the potential that other people that look like me or come from the similar places than me are not having the opportunity. And by having this, this discussion, I'd only hope that there'd be other people that look like me that could be involved in this sport. It's only to grow the sport. It's only to grow this community. For Christian, there is so much more to running than putting one foot in front of the other. Christian's success isn't just about being the fastest. It's about applying lessons from his art and his culture to the sport he loves. That approach has opened up a lot of opportunities for Christian so far, like farming with sculptor Roxanne Swetzel and designing clothes for Janji. There have been a lot of twists and turns on his journey, but Christian relishes everything he learns along the way. You have a lot of interest and you're pursuing a lot of things professionally. Running, art, food. How do you stay focused? You know, one thing as it relates to my mentor, Sean, he's always be like, you should never have to get ready, but you should stay ready. <laughs> and I'll always be like, what does that mean? <laughs> stay ready and never get ready is that feeling of like just being assured when you are having alone time and having the chance to 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 refine yourself through practice, through routine, is that when you go out and give these gifts to the world, whatever it is, whatever passion, whatever pursuit it is, you're only getting better. And when you are getting better for yourself, you are actually enriching other people's lives. Uh, as it relates to running, so much of it feels very individualistic. You know, it's like you do sometimes you, you can do it with your friends, but even then, when you're running on a trail, you're also having a very singular experience we can look you and i could go on a run and see the same mountain but how we feel in that part of the run and being at that moment in time might feel very different for us but we share the pursuit of putting our footsteps together the other point you know as it relates to my grandfather of having that chance to give me some sense of security and assurance during a time where i was everywhere was the was the fact of being able to to be mindful and how so much of that, you know, could be related to Nipashru. Nipashru is like, you you give it, you give it like your all, you give it like, like, it's hard to translate into English, but it's like give strength, give good, give, give power, you know, is the best way I could kind of can say, you, give it can all. Can you spell that word? It's a really cool word. Yeah. Uh, we don't have, crazy enough, a lot of the Pueblos here in New Mexico do not have a written language. It's actually what actually keeps our languages alive. But best way I probably could spell it would be K-N-E-E apostrophe P-A-H shru, which is S-R-U-H, nipashru. It's, it's not a word that you're just saying while you're sitting down. It's usually always said in relation to you're doing something. Nipashu, you're dancing, you're praying, you're you're in the field, you're running, you're singing. Is to like, in that moment, channel your energy, channel your intention to give all. So that was something as it relates to when my grandfather, we'd spend times in the field and just being alongside each other is that like to be mindful of what I'm 
living through, you know, when I'm thinking about how I'm feeling, how I'm choosing to walk, how I'm choosing to do things is to be mindful because those actions alongside my thoughts and my intentions will have reverberations out into my life. We can only ground ourselves with practice and intention that gives back. And I would say running is that way because when you can put powerful intention, prayer, and meaning behind your run, you are able to reverberate that out through the motion of one foot in front of the other, your breath trying to align and steady your heart rate, that that is an example of 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 nipashru. You're putting it all. So, so much of that is is just rooted in, in why I continue to do what I do. And that um, as much as it's a sport and I'm I get paid, I get to travel, I get to compete, will always be what grounds me. Mm. You talked about prayer before you run. What does that look like for you? Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it looks like a lot of different things. And I think for a lot of indigenous people, there's different practices. But um, What's your practice? Na- yeah, my practice would be uh, rooting back to breath because that is the thing that is what gives life right for especially for us being uh, for us five-fingered people and these people that we walk on our two feet we the breath is what is going to be what grounds us and what also propels us forward so for me it's that moment to take to find and find my breath and to be with my breath to then be able to feel that and to go to a go to where i need I need to go, whichever that be. Sometimes you could be stressed. Sometimes you could be tired. Sometimes you could be over overly excited. But finding your breath is that first step into prayer. And I, I want to lead with that because so much of this is spirit, you know, is, is tied to spirituality. But when you can find your breath, normally you can find a lot of the things that might be on your mind and going on. And for myself, that is what I've been taught and what is a cultural value shared within Pueblo culture is that breath is important. You put your breath onto something. When we when we pray with cornmeal before our run or before our ceremonies, before our dances, before our songs, we put our breath onto it because it is what is life for us. If we didn't have no breath, there would be no chance for us to experience life. So it's the it's the thing that roots us to this world. A lot of it is in recognition and reverence to the fact that we have a, a beautiful gift of life. So it's more of appreciation. Uh, of giving appreciation, highlighting the things that we uh, that I appreciate, highlight you know, asking, you know that's a thing too. You know, like when we think about breath and prayer, a lot of times it's an ask, but when you ask, there's also that other the other into it. I feel which is what do you what are we giving? You know, what are we giving? What is that reciprocal relationship when it comes to prayer? And because running is a way that we give our energy. That is that ability for us to put into motion what we're asking for, but what we're also giving. Christian Gehring, wow. Thank you so much for coming on Wild Ideas Worth Living. You gave me a mega dose of inspiration. Thank you for sharing your experience and your beliefs and for demonstrating how running is so much more than going faster. It can be about connection, gratitude, and even prayer and action. I just love that. 
If you want to learn more about Christian, check out his art or follow along with his running, you can go to his Instagram at christian.garing. You can also go to his website, christian-garing.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-G-E-R-I-N-G. Make sure to also check out Christian's new clothing line with Janji. It's called the American Southwest Collection. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you write a review on this show because we read every single one of them, when you follow it, and when you review it wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Thank you.